See the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. Hi, everyone. You are tuned in to Talk with Francesca. I'm your host. And in the next hour, you're going to know a little bit more than you do now. So stay with me here little housekeeping. My web address is talkwithfrancesca.com. And if you missed part of this very interesting show, you can mosey on over to my iTunes page and listen there. And interesting, last week I said the 10th emailer to info at Talk with Francesca will win a $150 gift card to Jolie Medspot in Marshfield. Well, I only got nine emailers, so the contest is on. So jump on your computers now. Jolie Medspot absolutely rocks. Love it there. All right, this show is sponsored by Terramia Restaurante in the North End, when you will only accept the absolute best in Italian food, great service, and an intimate setting. Terramia is your go-to spot. I know, because it also happens to be my favorite. So make your reservation for this weekend and enjoy. All right, it's been a hectic year since Professor Caroline Coutsey Ray published her first book, What Kind of Girl? An African Child Caught Between Worlds. But hectic isn't unusual for her. Carolyn came to the Boston area from Malawi when she was just 17, and she's been hustling, studying, writing, and working ever since. She's an immigrant from Malawi, and she is my guest tonight, and I am thrilled to have her with us. So big welcome to you, Caroline. Thanks for joining us tonight on Talk with Francesca. Thank you so much, Francesca. It's very good to be given this opportunity. So in the early years of your life, you struggled with contradictory identities, being in African surroundings and also feeling the weight of American culture. Can you bring us back to that time, your life, where it started, how you felt about being in a conservative environment, how you struggled to navigate your identity? Yes. Um, Well, the first thing I'd like to share, actually, is a little bit about Malawi, so you can kind of have an idea of it. Um, My family lives in Blantyre, Malawi, which is where I grew up. And your listeners may know that Malawi is a country just above South Africa, and it's next to Mozambique and Tanzania. It was colonized by the British and earned its independence in 1964. And it has also struggled with overcoming extreme poverty, um, as I describe in my book, but also... Um, your listeners may have read The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind by William Kamkwamba, which is a movie adaptation on Netflix. I love Malawi, and I miss it dearly, but growing up was very confusing with, for me because along with Malawian culture, I was simultaneously exposed to American and British culture. And sometimes I wasn't sure which culture to lean on, mm-hmm. and I was also a very tiny, sporty tomboy who struggled with accepting myself that way. So traditional roles for women seemed a little confining. Um, In addition to this, it it was also easy to become wrapped up in the narrative of how Western countries offer a better life. And I had to learn for myself the merits and the limits of the West and also what I loved about Malawi. So um, because when I went to school, I was kind of learning this British prep prep school lifestyle. um, And I was watching a lot of American television. And my parents also wanted me to learn about African culture. 
the, the thing, the different cultures just clashed in my head, and I had a tough time kind of understanding what a well-behaved girl should behave like. And back up, you were sent to a boarding school at just nine years old, is that right? Yes. That's a very tough time for a child to leave home. It is. Um, but I was very excited to start my adult life. <laughs> um, at as nine? A, as a child. <laughs> yes. Were you drinking beer at that time? <laughs> oh, I started at eight. It was bad. Uh, I know yeah, that because I was reading your book last night, I confess. So I knew that you were drinking at a very young, young age. <laughs> but not, yes, and I think... As a child, I was just drawn to ways of asserting my own power. Mm. And because adults were always my role models, um, because they lived independently, I wanted to kind of have that same kind of autonomy. So that's why I did crazy things like drink at eight years old. Uh, I didn't get caught, but now everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that I divulged that big secret there. <laughs> but, <Okay. laughs> but, but so let's talk a little bit about the, the, the school that you, you went to. Okay. Um, so Kamuzu Academy is a boarding school, and it's uh, located about six hours away from where I lived, where my parents were living in Blantyre. And uh, like I said, it's kind of like a British prep school, um, think of Harry Potter, but without the magic, <laughs> Hogwarts, <laughs> uh-huh. but without the magic. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a very beautiful school. It looks almost like Harvard, and it's got a beautiful ornamental lake uh, teeming with monitor lizards, but uh, we were safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, this school taught almost 15 different subjects, including Latin, French, and Greek. And I was learning all these subjects since the age of nine, and I think I was very, very privileged because my parents paid for my education mm-hmm. the entire time that I was there, and the the curriculum was very rigorous and very, very difficult. And uh, I think it really challenged me in so many different ways that by the time I moved to America, um, education seemed a little simpler for me when I moved here um, because we had the, the, the Cambridge examination style for uh, Kamuzu Academy. So it was a very nice school and uh, one of the best schools in Malawi, arguably. arguably. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a wonderful experience. And why did your parents send you to a boarding school? They weren't concerned about you being away from home at such a young age? They wanted me to get the best education at that time. And mm-hmm. what happened was, mm-hmm. um, because in primary school I was, I was very smart. I asked a lot of questions. I did very well in school. Uh, one of my teachers said, you know, do not bother with the next two years of primary school. You, she can go straight to high school. Uh, at she's nine? smart enough to do it <laughs> at nine years old. It was actually the advice of one teacher. And my parents said, well, what do we do? So there was this entrance examination for the school uh, just to test. Uh, the students to see if they're ready for high school. I took the exam and I passed. So my parents said, "This must be the right decision." <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, and it, off I went. It, it, that's fabulous. But you know, it kind of um, makes me think about the the very young actress. You know, the young kid, eight nine years old, and all of a sudden they're you know they're famous and and they kind of miss out on their childhood. Did did that happen with you? Yes, it did happen with me. I, mm-hmm. I missed out, I think, on family, just knowing what it's like to have family around and that support. 
system. And all of a sudden, I had to make decisions for myself in boarding school. I had to decide, well, we had a very structured uh, lifestyle from the time we woke up in the morning all the way until bedtime. So I kind of learned how to keep myself organized and whatnot. But I did miss out on just the family aspect of things and having my parents there to really tell me what's wrong, what's right. That was not really there for me. And I kind of had to figure it out through friends and maybe teachers. Mm-hmm. And that that was a little problematic for me. And also, I was too young to grasp some subjects like English itself. I know I'm a writer, but I struggled so much with writing when I was younger, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't understand grammar or, or anything like that. So I failed. I was constantly in the bottom set um, in all my English classes because I couldn't write. So were the students at that school older than you? Yes, most so, of them were older. Uh-huh. So then did you compare yourself to other girls who maybe were... I don't know, 13, 14, maybe they, you know, were more developed. Maybe they got their periods before you. Um, I mean, you know, the things that, that, that girls, when they're in school at the same age, go through together. If you were younger, it would seem to me that you wouldn't be experiencing some of those, those um, you know, experiences as, as uh, you were young. You know, you were nine and say, as I said, they might have been like 13 or 14. Did, did that happen? Yes, you've hit the nail on the head, actually, because I was the second youngest in my cohort, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to have similar experiences as my peers. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the book even makes it clear that I was a bit different. My body was very tiny. uh, My thoughts were different. My desires were different. And I even talk about my period, too. There's something that I do that is very awkward. I don't think I should share it. No, go ahead. Sure. We're, we're, it's, 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 it's 9 o'clock at night. It's okay. The kids are in bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, where I would have to fake it, actually. I would have to fake having my period because <laughs> I didn't want to be different. I didn't want my yeah. friends to think, yeah. what is wrong with her? She's, she's not menstruating yet. And even the boys, um, you know, they bullied me so much because, like I said, I had a very tiny body. I was very athletic. Mm-hmm. And in high school, if you were good at sports, then it made you less female. It made you less attractive. Hmm. So this really messed with my self-esteem. And I, I would do things that were just too far out because I wanted to be this this older child who was developing as fast as my friends were. Mm-hmm. And um, it got me in a lot of trouble. And you know, this is where the identity confusion kind of comes in because... I'm trying to be some somebody that I'm not uh, in order to fit in. Well, you know, that's no small thing that we're talking about here. Um, you know, I, we do need to um, have similar experiences when we're at, well, at any age. But, you know, at that age in particular, as we're, you know, maturing, you know, just things like we want to shave our, I remember desperately wanting to shave my legs when I was 13. And I felt like, what am I going to get? Yeah, <laughs> when am I going to get a razor? I was thrilled that I got my tonsils off because my father came to the hospital and brought me an electric razor. I thought, is this what I needed to do to shave my legs? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did too, Francesca. I'm right there with you. I did fade shaving as well. <laughs> I, yeah. spent, I spent so much time pretending to be so many different things that I was not. Um, all of them just trying to fit in and looking at your surroundings and the people who are there mm-hmm. and thinking, 
how can I be more similar to them? <laughs> and it's funny how when we grow up, now we talk about how we want to embrace our differences. But as a child, you know, right. you don't want to be this anomaly. You don't want to be somebody that's sticking out in an odd way. Um, you want people to see you as normal, whatever that means. Right. Um, and, and, and that's, that's yeah. why I pretended. And that's really a, a lot of what your your book, it, it, it seems, is about is sort of that, you know, what kind of girl, right? Like, yeah. you were bold and brazen and, and um, you know, you sort of stepped out of the norm. And, um, and so when, we're going to take a short break, but when we get back, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, identities for younger girls. So listeners, stay with us here. Don't go anywhere. This is Talk with Francesca coming right up on 95.9 WATD. Who doesn't go to the hair salon to liven up their looks? Though sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. You can expect something different at Hair Design Fationa. With a super modern feel that can hardly be mistaken for suburban, a full-service hair salon, they offer cuts, color, highlighting, and formal design. Fationa is originally from Europe where she owned her own salon. With an impressive following, she won't disappoint. I know because I can tell you from my own experience, I felt transformed and you will too. So if you're looking to turn a few heads, call Fationa today at 781-964-3770. Conveniently located at 834 Washington Street in Braintree or visit her on Facebook. That number again is 781-964-3770. Call today, you'll be thrilled. I know you will. Ladies, are you tired of looking tired, noticing fine lines and stubborn wrinkles that won't go away? The professional team at Jolie Medical Spa in Marshfield offers Botox, fillers, all therapy, skin lifting and tightening, hydrofacials, IV hydration, and more. The warm and caring manner at Jolie Medical Spa will make you feel like you're coming in for a cup of coffee, but instead, you'll leave with a relaxed look on your face. Located conveniently at 435 Furnace Street in Marshfield, call them today at 781-248-5769 or visit them at www.joliemedspa.com to schedule your free consultation and know you are in the best of hands. Just wait for your friends to ask where you went on vacation because you know they will. Plan a wonderful evening in Boston's North End, highlighted by one of the neighborhood's best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Renowned as one of the world's most authentic Italian restaurants, Antico Forno provides you with an unforgettable dining experience featuring world-class traditional Italian dishes cooked in their beautiful brick oven. Outdoor dining is now available too. Whether seated inside or enjoying an evening under the stars, when you eat at Antico Forno, you feel like part of the family. Antico Forno is open seven days a week. See their menu and make your reservation online at AnticoFornoBoston.com. They say you are what you eat. In fact, the path to much of your health begins at your mouth. Dr. Nathaniel Chan from Advanced Dental Arts in Quincy and Norwell would like to take the time to show you how the well-being of your head, neck, and mouth affect your overall health. The family dentistry practiced at Advanced Dental Arts helps every member of your household have healthy teeth and prevent periodontal gum disease. Dr. Chan in particular focuses on cosmetics, sleep apnea, TMJ, and migraine pain. Even if you're not a patient, you can meet with Dr. Chan to discuss whitening, veneers, Invisalign clear braces, or implants. 
Reach out to Dr. Nathaniel Chan today to set up a free consultation at his office at either 353 Washington Street in Norwell or at 1250 Hancock Street in Quincy. Visit drnathanielchan.com. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant, yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing. And best of all, it's reasonably priced. The best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112. That's 617-523-3112. Or visit terramiaristorante.com. You're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. The talk continues on 95.9 WATD. And we are back, and I am speaking with Caroline Kautzure. She is the author of What Kind of Girl, An African Child Caught Between Worlds. Welcome back, Caroline. Thank you. So so um, before the break, you know, we were starting to talk a little bit about a child's interiority, and, and you know, you your experience really sort of highlights that. And right. um, so can you share a little bit, about that and your thoughts about, you know, what I'm asking? Yeah, sure. Um, In a lot of my experiences, I share what I was thinking at different ages in the book. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to share that child interiority because it gives people insight on how a child understands their place in the world. Right. Uh, For example, uh, there were people, we had this group of thieves that broke into about 50 or so broke into our house uh, when I was six years old, I didn't realize how dark my thoughts could get. And I never had the discussion with my parents about my mental health either, um, because it was meant to be an experience that we just had to get over. After they break into the house, just get over it, walk Mm. it off, you're a tough kid. Mm. Um, Mm. And a parent reading my book could realize that even though a child may seem so young to fully understand what's going on, Horrifying events like that could affect their mental health, and this is especially important for Malawians. We fear the stigma that comes with mental health, and we suffer in silence uh, because we don't want to share what ails us because we don't want people to to say we're that crazy person that, you know, deserves to be in the streets and, you know, all sorts of weird stigmas that we have in Malawi. And I develop nightmares about our house robberies. And I still have them till today because I never fully processed them mm-hmm. when I was a child. So, but don't I you think that would? That. Th- I'm sorry, I, I don't. I, I I just want to interject here for half a second. But don't you think that that's like across the board? It isn't just Malawians. It, you know, don't you think an American child who possibly went through, um, you know, the same experience and experienced post traumatic stress would experience it the same way and have the same fears? Absolutely. They can have the same fears. I mean, mine is just one example of what a child could go through uh, in terms of traumatic experiences. But I think what happened was my parents thought I was too young. Like they thought, oh, six years old, 
she's probably not going to remember this Ugh. in the future, mm. you know. And <laughs> little did they know, it's, it's, it really shaped who I am and my fears at night and uh, a lot of phobias that I have today with darkness and, you know, feeling like somebody's going to attack me. Uh, it's just things that I think uh, are important to put out there. And, yeah, it's across the globe. It, all over the place, children are going through things that, parents may or may not know that they have been scarred very traumatically. And I think the book, Giving the Child's Interiority, is my way of saying you need to check in. Maybe you can have those necessary conversations with your children. And if it's for children reading my book, um, they too can say, you know, if I had this traumatic experience and this is what I'm feeling, I should probably share it with someone and that a lot of people go through something like this in different fashions, in different traumatic ways. So that's what I was hoping uh, regarding just that one example. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is just also a child beginning to understand themselves and, like I said, their place in society. I think it's important to share things like that because when I wrote the book, I had to make sure that this older version of me was not intruding in my younger experience, what I experienced when I was young. I just wanted to give the experiences as they happened uh, and allow the reader to really think about how a child processes the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, without having to have an opinion about what it is that I went through. There are some moments where I do say something as the older version of Caroline saying, looking back, I realize this is what I should have learned. Looking back, I realize... I could have handled this better. But I try not to do too much of that because it robs my readers of that experience of that child's interiority to see, to, get, to gain something insightful about a child's world mm -hmm. um, and that they can find a way to respond to it very well, to react to it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Caroline, yeah. talk to us a little bit about trying to fit into the cultural norms and expectations. I mean, women were expected to be in Malawi shy, submissive, passive, yeah. and that you were anything but. So what was that like for you? Very difficult. People thought I was just a rude brat who had no culture, <laughs> and my poor parents probably thought they were doing a bad job. But I think for me... Watching a lot of American television is what showed me that I could assert myself. I could say what I was thinking and um, not be afraid of it. Of course, I was looking at characters on, in movies and right. television sitcoms and whatnot. Um, but they were my role models because, like I said, I was very drawn to ways of asserting power as a child. Power really fascinated me. Why? to know that somebody can live independently and be whatever they want to be. And um, that's just something that is just in my nature. I, I want to be able to express myself fully. And if I could relate to, let's say, a little boy who's spreading themselves out, jumping up and down, doing whatever they want and having a lot of fun, as a little girl, I wanted to do that too. I was not going to listen to somebody telling me, that's not what girls do. I mean, if I'm doing it, then it's possible. Uh -huh. So <laughs> it's possible for young girls, too, to do. If I can jump that high, if I can, you know, do all these, say all these thoughts in my head um, without offending anyone, obviously. I can't just go around rambling anything. I knew about respect. 
But when it came to questioning more especially, that's something that I valued so much. And my mother always used to say, it's absolutely okay to ask questions, you know, as long as you're being respectful. In school, they told me the same thing. But when I went to this female grooming school at a Catholic church, the nuns told me never to ask questions. Oh, no. It was very rude of me. <laughs> and it's in my book, too. <laughs> uh, Caroline, let's fast forward now to you were in America. And uh, you went to America at what? Uh, came to America at what? Not 17 years old? 17 years old. That's amazing. But um, so did people sense that you were not from here? Did they alienate you? You know, what did that feel like? What was what was it like? Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good question, because a lot of people knew I was not from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they heard me speak English, they said, wow, you speak such wonderful English. Mm-hmm. You've lived here for how many years? They thought I had lived here for longer than I had actually lived here. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of people would ask me a lot of questions about my English. That was like the, the first thing that kind of stood out to many people. And then I was also, I moved here because I wanted to become an actress. So I would do things like theater, and people used to stare at me a lot. I used to be very paranoid about that. And I, I Well, you're a very beautiful woman. I've seen you in person. I saw you do a talk, so I know. So I have a little inside well, scoop you. on you, right? So. <laughs> but. so they would stare at me a lot, but it would be the fact that I was this young girl, this young African girl, but I was um, so well-spoken. I, I carried myself very well. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this is what people were fascinated by. And then, But I thought otherwise. I said, do I not fit in? Uh-huh. And it was just my paranoia of also just still being young and trying to fit into America, a new culture now. Mm-hmm. You know? But now, at 27 years old, you're living in America. Everyone thinks you've got it made. You're an English professor, yet you feel empty. You feel different. Why? Oh, Kevin's just giving me a single signal that we need to take a break. So marinate on that question. And when we come back, we'll look forward to your answer. Listeners, stay with us here. This is Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. We'll talk more in just a bit on 95.9 WATD. Tides is beachside dining at its best, all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat. Tides specializes in casual dining with food that's delicious, not pretentious. On a warm day, enjoy a frosty pint at their bar or the sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach. Or enjoy an incredible meal in their dining room anytime. Tides guarantees you great atmosphere with superior service. The menu at Tides is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out the drink menu at Tides for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with state-of-the-art tap wines. Tides is unbeatable anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. Visit TidesNahant.com. Who doesn't go to the hair salon to liven up their looks? Though sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. You can expect something different at Hair Design Fationa. With a super modern feel that can hardly be mistaken for suburban, a full service hair salon, they offer cuts, color, highlighting, and formal design. Fationa is originally from Europe with Shion Turon Salon. 
with an impressive following, she won't disappoint. I know because I can tell you from my own experience, I felt transformed and you will too. So if you're looking to turn a few heads, call Fationa today at 781-964-3770. Conveniently located at 834 Washington Street in Braintree or visit her on Facebook. That number again is 781-964-3770. Call today, you'll be thrilled. I know you will. Are you tired of going to work for someone else and not getting paid what you were worth? Does the thought of not being able to retire until you're 65 make you want to cry? Right now, there are people who are learning how to invest in real estate to earn passive income. That's income you don't have to work for. With the right system, you can double your income in the next 12 months by learning the wealth habits and strategies to create passive income through real estate. But it will take hard work and determination to get there. It will require learning how to network with business owners and entrepreneurs. Register today for the 100 Millionaires Summit, being held October 22nd through October 24th in Orlando at the Florida Hotel and Conference Center. Buy one ticket and bring a friend to this life-changing event. To learn more about the summit, sign up to iBuildMillionaires.com today. From newborns to newlyweds to grandchildren, photography helps us celebrate and commemorate. It archives a special time in our lives and gives generations of our family something to talk about. Capture that moment in your life with Amanda and Bella Photography. Amanda Rabello has studios in Situate, Massachusetts and Warwick, Rhode Island, where she can host you and your family for a personalized and personable photo session. She can also meet with you at any location across the social for unforgettable, one-of-a-kind portraits. Amanda and Bella Photography offers a variety of session options based on your circumstances and goals, specializing in everything from portraits and headshots to family, newborn, engagement, and special occasion photos. Contact Amanda today to see if she's the right fit for your photo session. Visit amandaandbellaphotography.com. Need a reliable place for your pet? Does your dog crave extra stimulation instead of social isolation? Sign up for doggy daycare at the Dog's Den in Pembroke. With two separate yards and plenty of supervision, your dog will have a ball and tug-of-war toys and plenty of new friends. The Dog's Den also specializes in grooming. Each groomer at the Dog's Den has decades of experience and will leave your furry friend refreshed and ready for their next adventure. Schedule your grooming or daycare today at thedogsdengrooming.com. Plan a wonderful evening in Boston's North End, highlighted by one of the neighborhood's best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Renowned as one of the world's most authentic Italian restaurants, Antico Forno provides you with an unforgettable dining experience featuring world-class traditional Italian dishes cooked in their beautiful brick oven. Outdoor dining is now available too. Whether seated inside or enjoying an evening under the stars, when you eat at Antico Forno, you feel like part of the family. Antico Forno is open seven days a week. See their menu and make your reservation online at AnticoFornoBoston.com. I'm Francesca Luca, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back, and I'm speaking with Caroline Kautsire. She is the author of What Kind of Girl, an African Child Caught Between Worlds. Welcome back, Caroline. Thank you, Francesca. So before the break, um, I asked you a question, and then Kevin told me we had to take a break. So um, you had a couple of minutes to think about that. Uh, at 27 years old, you were living in America, and everyone thinks you've got it. 
all happening, right? You, you're an English professor, yet you feel different. You feel empty. What, what was that about? Yes, um, I had been teaching for a while, and as much as teaching was really making me feel very fulfilled, there was something missing in my life. And it started when I, when I was looking at social media. <sighs> I saw all my friends getting married, all my friends... Um, having these weddings and these mm. children, and mm. a part of it had to do with uh, the Mgoni tribe culture, when you kind of have these tribal celebrations when you're getting married and whatnot. And I saw how people were embracing that part of them. Um, I saw how people were dressing up in these African attires called Echitenge, which is this African wrap, um, usually very bright and colorful, and you can you can make a blouse out of it. You can just wrap it around you. You can put it in your head. And they were celebrating African culture. And I felt I was missing that. I said, why don't I have this in my life? Mm. Even though I ran away from it in mm. Malawi. Right. And so at 27, I decided that I should visit Malawi after being away for so many years. And just the people, being around the people, the traditions, that's what kind of awoke the writer in me at 27. Um, so what was missing was understanding who I was before I became a professor so that I would know my journey moving forward as a professor. And do you feel now as an adult, well, how, I don't know, how old are you now? I'm 34 years old. So do you feel now at 34 years old that you have the, the two identities? Have, were you able to reconcile those two identities? Very much so. As a matter of fact, I am known for trying to wear something from Africa every single time there's an event. I bring either my flag or I'm wearing something in my head, um, an African turban in my head. I'm wearing uh, clothing with the very fabric I never used to like when I was much younger mm -hmm. as a way of celebrating where I've come from. I talk about Malawi all the time because I never want to forget my roots anymore because I think it gives my voice uh, more substance. There's, there's something I have to say about who I once was and where I come from. Mm -hmm. And I add something in America and wherever I go. So absolutely, that reconciliation is still happening. There's so much more I need to learn about Malawi. But I, I can definitely feel the connection happening right now. Did you ever feel that when you had gone back there that you were, did you feel like an outsider at all? <laughs> absolutely. Um, when I got there, there I was uh, trying to fit into different crowds, right. and people could single me out and say, hey, you don't sound like you're Malawian. You're not from around here. Ugh. And I said, wait a minute, what do you mean I'm not from around here? I am Malawian. So then I would change my accent. I would try to sound more Malawian, try to use uh, our language is called Chichewa, mm -hmm. and I would try to speak as authentically as I could, whatever that means, um, I would just try to make my accent thicker uh, so that people would recognize that I, I'm not from outside of Malawi. Uh, maybe, yes, they can guess that I'm part of diaspora, but that I'm very much a Malawian. So people kind of singled me out, um, even the way I stood up. Like, I would stand up straight with a group of my friends, and they would say, why are you standing so straight? You know, that's not very Malawian. I'm like, what are you talking about? So <laughs> you expect me to be all over the place and that's Malawian? <laughs> right. You know, even though this is your particular story, Caroline, what kind of girl, um, 
it, it also can be almost any girl's story, can't it? Right. It could be a middle. Absolutely. It could be a middle child story. It can be. You know. Have you ever heard of the book "A Women Who Run with the Wolves" by Clarissa Pincola Estes? I have heard of it, but I have not read it. Yeah, you know, she talks about um, you know sort of being born into a family where essentially, you know, you you uh, what's the expression? The beat of a different drummer. Right. right. And, um, you know, they just it, it could be that, you know, you're you're more creative. You ask more questions like you did more curious. I know for myself personally, I grew up in a very big family and, uh, you know, the children were to be seen and really not heard. But I would have no part of that. But that was also a problem right. <laughs> that I would have no right. part of it. But here I am today on the radio and I'm talking, you know, and asking questions <laughs> and inquiring. I remember when I was just like 21 years old, I was dating a guy and him saying to me you ask too many questions <laughs> you know but but sometimes you know someone who is kind of a little bit different anybody who's a little bit different could or experiencing differences could experience that so your book could can relate I would think to so many people men and women really right Absolutely, because I think one of the things that it does encourage for anybody is that they can be who they want to be. Um, it does challenge a lot of cultural conventions uh, that don't fit with a person's identity. So it's, it's one of those books that says, if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't feel like you, you know, you can stop and ask. You can assert yourself uh, so that people know that people like you exist. You know, this is why I think it's also important to do storytelling, because we we are all little stories waiting to be told. People will not know that someone like you exists until you do tell that story. Then all of a sudden, um, you you get a a better understanding of different people, like Mm -hmm. especially in Africa as well. We have so many African narratives about terrible, catastrophic things. Yes, those things are happening, but they're not the only narrative that's happening. You know what I mean? Uh, there are other narratives that are happening. Mine is kind of like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but it's an African family. Right. <laughs> <You> <laughs> right. Know? right. Um, so I do my best to try to give people a, a fresh story, something else different, to say, look, I may seem different, but look at all these similarities at the same time. Maybe I came from a different culture. But guess what? I also grew up with Tom and Jerry. I grew up listening to the Beatles. I grew up listening you know, to Michael Jackson, you name it. Right. Um, and these things kind of connect us in the end. So you're absolutely right, Francesca. It's it's a lot of people's story. And I think this identity issue about self-impairment and being who you are is something that I'm really trying to get out there by sharing my story. Mm-hmm. When you um, went back to um, Malawi to try to connect with the people um, and sort of reconnect with the child you once were, uh, what did the children of Malawi remind you of? Well, it depends on, like, which children you're talking about, because if I went to the villages, mm-hmm. when I when I hung around with the, the children in the rural areas, I would play football with them, I would buy them food, um, because, yes, I was coming from a more privileged family than they were. I would stop worrying about little stupid things that have nothing to do with anything. I think it it made me appreciate things more because I was looking at these little kids and 
they have very little, and yet they appreciate so much. You give them a bottle of Coke, and it was like Christmas for them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it really just made me reassess a lot of things that I complain about. Um, and to say, if this child can actually have this joy by, by this one bottle of Coke, you know, I too do not have to worry about certain things that, you know, I it's not yet time for me to reach for those things, or, you know, it's just sometimes mm. humility is something that is very important in your journey. And I think I learned a lot about humility through these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they they also thought that I wasn't like a very pompous person because I was choosing to play with them and eat with them. They would be shocked and say, why do you want to play with us? Like, don't you have a fancy restaurant to go to? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you know, I've had fancy enough. You know, I want something else different. I want to remember, you know, what it means to be this human being that isn't always relying on these spectacular, fancy, schmancy things. And, you know, that's what I enjoyed so much. And that's what really awoke the writer in me, you know, Mm -hmm. having Mm -hmm. something to compare myself to and recognizing a different kind of humanity. I think it it really helped me Mm -hmm. um, with finding my voice. And connecting to your soul, I would think. Right, right, absolutely, connecting to my soul. We do um, need, uh, Caroline, we do need to take another short break, but there's something that I want to talk to you about that I found when I had heard your talk just really struck me, that you talked about your books as your children, and um, you said your first book, What Kind of Girl, was your first baby, and then your yes. second book, which is coming up some kind of girl will be your second baby that really um that really resonated with me and we're going to take a short break when we come back um i'd love to talk about a little bit about that because so many women girls today still still think they have to get married they have to have children to fit in to be um, you know, sort of that cultural norm. So listeners, stay with us yeah. here. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, more to come. This is life, don't I appreciate you hanging out with me. More talk on the way here on 95.9 WATD. From newborns to newlyweds to grandchildren, photography helps us celebrate and commemorate. It archives a special time in our lives and gives generations of our family something to talk about. Capture that moment in your life with Amanda and Bella Photography. Amanda Rabello has studios in Situate, Massachusetts and Warwick, Rhode Island, where she can host you and your family for a personalized and personable photo session. She can also meet with you at any location across the South Shore for unforgettable, one-of-a-kind portraits. Amanda and Bella Photography offers a variety of session options based on your circumstances and goals, specializing in everything from portraits and headshots to family, newborn, engagement, and special occasion photos. Contact Amanda today to see if she's the right fit for your photo session. Visit amandaandbellaphotography.com. They say you are what you eat. In fact, the path to much of your health begins at your mouth. Dr. Nathaniel Chan from Advanced Dental Arts in Quincy and Norwell would like to take the time to show you how the well-being of your head, neck, and mouth affect your overall health. The family dentistry practiced at Advanced Dental Arts helps every member of your household have healthy teeth and prevent periodontal gum disease. Dr. Chan in particular focuses on cosmetics, sleep apnea, TMJ, and migraine pain. Even if you're not a patient, you can meet with Dr. Chan to discuss whitening, veneers, Invisalign clear braces, or implants. 
Reach out to Dr. Nathaniel Chan today to set up a free consultation at his office at either 353 Washington Street in Norwell or at 1250 Hancock Street in Quincy. Visit drnathanielchan.com. Who doesn't go to the hair salon to liven up their looks? Though sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. You can expect something different at Hair Design Fationa. With a super modern feel that can hardly be mistaken for suburban, a full-service hair salon, they offer cuts, color, highlighting, and formal design. Fationa is originally from Europe where she owned her own salon. With an impressive following, she won't disappoint. I know because I can tell you from my own experience, I felt transformed and you will too. So if you're looking to turn a few heads, call Fationa today at 781-964-3770. Conveniently located at 834 Washington Street in Braintree or visit her on Facebook. That number again is 781-964-3770. Call today, you'll be thrilled. I know you will. Are you tired of going to work for someone else and not getting paid what you were worth? Does the thought of not being able to retire until you're 65 make you want to cry? Right now, there are people who are learning how to invest in real estate to earn passive income. That's income you don't have to work for. With the right system, you can double your income in the next 12 months by learning the wealth habits and strategies to create passive income through real estate but it will take hard work and determination to get there. It will require learning how to network with business owners and entrepreneurs. Register today for the 100 Millionaires Summit, being held October 22nd through October 24th in Orlando at the Florida Hotel and Conference Center. Buy one ticket and bring a friend to this life-changing event. To learn more about the summit, sign up to ibuildmillionaires.com today. Need a reliable place for your pet? Does your dog crave extra stimulation instead of social isolation? Sign up for doggy daycare at the Dog's Den in Pembroke. With two separate yards and plenty of supervision, your dog will have a ball and tug-of-war toys and plenty of new friends. The Dog's Den also specializes in grooming. Each groomer at the Dog's Den has decades of experience and will leave your furry friend refreshed and ready for their next adventure. Schedule your grooming or daycare today at thedogsdengrooming.com. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant, yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing. And best of all, it's reasonably priced. The best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112. That's 617-523-3112. Or visit terramiaristorante.com. Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca. On 95.9 WATD. And we are back, and I am speaking with Caroline Katsire. She is the author of What Kind of Girl, an African Child Caught Between Worlds. Caroline, I have so many more questions for you, and I we this is our last segment. I don't know how I'm going to get through all of them, but I'm <laughs> going to I'm going to start with um, that I had heard you give a talk, and uh, before the break, I had mentioned that I was really struck by something that you had said that your books were your 
your children, um, and based on where you come from, what what advice would you give to a young girl who's confused with the cultural expectations of having to get married, having to have children? Because, you know, when you said that, you said it with such confidence. There was no question in my mind, wow, she, this is these are her kids and, and that's it. Whether or not you have children or you want children in the future, I don't know. I didn't ask you. But... Um, so what what kind of advice would you, you give a young woman? Well, first of all, I think um, we should understand the, the place that I said that in the beginning. I think people want, uh, want to have something to show, right? They want to stay relevant and to find some kind of purpose in life. Uh, that's why for a long time women have been told to have children, uh, get married, and whatnot. But for me, that's not my narrative. Things have not worked out that way. However, I have found an alternative where celebrating my books is like celebrating children uh, because it's, it's my way of kind of creating my own legacy, leaving something that I will always be remembered by. So mm-hmm. I can pass away. The book will always be there. People will read it. And women can give birth through different aspirations. Absolutely. So for a, a young girl who... Uh, is thinking, oh, sh- should I get married now because that's what I'm expected to do? Should I have a child because that's what a woman's supposed to do? It doesn't have to be that way. There are other ways in which you can find fulfillment through uh, the gifts and talents that you have if you want to pursue that. Uh, if you've seen uh, a woman you know, go out to space and that's what you aspire to, to do, you can also do those things and they can bring a similar fulfillment. Mm-hmm. There is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to narrative. Absolutely not. And so young girls should uh, try their best to kind of unsubscribe from these preconceived ideas that this is what your life is supposed to be and find their own path. If they're supposed to get married along the way, excellent, good for you. You can go with that at, at any age. You know, there, there is no fixed time for anybody to get married or to have children. So you have to be open to a a destiny that might not look like everybody else's Mm -hmm. and to be okay with that. So please realize that you can give birth through different aspirations. Thank you for that answer, Carolyn. I loved that. Um, With just a little bit of time left, I'm going to ask you some personal questions. And one is, what is something that nobody knows about you? Something that nobody knows about me. Um... Let's see. I have never <laughs> pumped gas in my own car before. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. All right. Good enough. <laughs> do you? You're just 34 years old, but do you have any regrets? You, like, what would you say right now is your biggest regret, if you have one? Uh, big regrets. Um, I. I mean, I'm kind of like in the process of like pursuing some really big dreams right now, and I'm actually in the process of trying to avoid being haunted by regret because I was reading Trevor Noah the other day and a comment that he said, uh, he said rejection is an answer um, and, you know, things like regret is an eternal question that you'll never get the answer to. So you should do everything that you want to do today so that you can avoid being haunted by regret. So I don't have any major ones Mm -hmm. right now that I can share with the audience, but I can share that if you want to try to reach for the extraordinary, to reach for what seems like it's impossible, 
rather to try than sit and wonder what if um, right. for the rest of your life because that's what's going to create recreate regrets. And at 34, I am in the process of doing some major things that um, I'm trying to avoid that myself to kind of practice what I preach. What's the quality that best defines you? A quality that best defines me. Um, let's see. My... I think patience. I'm a very patient person. Uh, it comes with the teaching. It comes with knowing that I'm exposed to so many wonderful things and I want to share with people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, people mention my patience and my openness. I'm very open-minded. Um, I, I don't judge very easily. I'm not quick to judge. I'm, I'm always trying to find ways to understand things because I think that's what we should be striving for, not to judge but to understand what? And these are like two things. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, the best advice I have ever been given. Um, be melting snow. Wash yourself of yourself. Rumi. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is, that is the best advice to me because I am, I am constantly trying to find ways to not lie to myself, ways mm-hmm. to... Uh, speak honestly about myself um, and there's so many self-defeating ideas I could float around in my mind and that's the person I'm always challenging myself and trying to do my best that's why it is be melting snow wash yourself of yourself oh wonderful okay let's see last question how do you unwind and I guess second part B of that question would be how do you feed your soul which I think I already know the answer to the second part of the question, but I'll let you answer it anyway. But unwinding, I want to know especially how you unwind, because you are moving and shaking all the time, Caroline. Yes. um, I unwind by, let's see, what's the number one thing? I do like working out a lot, and I think that you should master mind, body, and spirit. And when I work out, I think I feel very alive because I'm testing my limits, and and I feel good. It's a lot of things that I'm releasing based on, I'm a very intellectual person, I'm an academic, so now I'm doing something a little physical. Right. And it helps me really unwind um, when I work out and when I'm playing basketball and uh, when I'm listening to music. I listen to a lot of classical music as well because of my father. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helps me kind of relax and it helps with my writing as well. It builds my imagination. So I know you're talking about unwinding, but believe it or not, these are things that help me kind of relax a little bit. Um, I'm going to put you in a box. I'm going to put you in a box. We have 60 seconds left. What would you like to say to our listeners? What would you like them to take away from this interview? Okay, so the purpose of this book is to connect cultures and to widen an audience's understanding about the realities of African life. So I hope that through my experience, Um, My readers will be awakened to the diverse communities within their countries, as well as the uniqueness of African identity. I hope you learn about Malawi, and I I don't want people to think that Africa is this third-world stereotype, but a place, a real place with real people. And uh, it's, it's also important that they know that if we are truly to learn compassion for people around the world, we need to be able to see them not as victims, 
but as people like ourselves, mm-hmm. right, to recognize each other's humanity. And I hope my book does that for people. All right, Caroline, it has been, you have been absolutely awesome. Thank you for joining me tonight on Talk with Francesca. Um, and make sure that you reach out to me when your next book comes out, because, and when is that? Uh, that's going to be early in 2022, probably January or February. All right, don't forget us. All right, thanks for joining us tonight on Talk with Francesca. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Francesca. It's been a pleasure, too. All right. We've got to wrap things up and say goodnight. I hope you enjoyed the show. Fascinating, fascinating book. Definitely pick it up. What kind of girl? See you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great week. <laughs>